<clears throat> okay. Um. Uh. Boy. Yeah. Doom dudes. Mm-hmm. Chapter house. Colon. Dude. Dude. We are the one and only dudes of doom mm-hmm. welcoming you to the dude cast welcome yeah dude nation that's that's what they call here that's, here that's we their are name. that's their name that's our that's our fandom's we name we are in the belly of the beast the belly of dune nation of dude you might nation. be reading this book you're thinking like oh i'm on i'm on chapter house i'm on gamu no you're not you're in Dude Nation, motherfucker. Exactly. exactly. You can't escape, and and you wouldn't want to even if you could. I mean, Dude Dude Nation. It actually is a physical planet. It's not even uh, just a country. It's like it, it is an actual planet. Yeah. But it's also in your heart. I like that. You know, we get a we we kind of get the best of both worlds. It's like, yeah, we get our own planet. Like, that's cool. I don't want to brag or anything, but yeah. it's there. We have it mm-hmm. exactly. Um, but you also get like the emotional power that 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 mm-hmm. comes from from being in the hearts yeah. of yeah. of people, in in the hearts of dudes everywhere, dudes of all kinds. Dudes of all kinds. Dudes of all classes, all creeds, all genders, all uh, every just every walk of life. If you're a dude, every walk, yeah. If you're a dude, we we welcome you with open arms. Absolutely, welcome to the Church of Dude Nation. Wow. Let us be. Wow. Let us be your your pastors. You know, let us mm-hmm. welcome you with open arms into these open doors. Always. Um, yeah, you know, whether you are, you know, on the journey through Fold Space to the planet of Dude Nation, or you're just opening your heart, listening to us via podcast. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell, I've had a little bit to drink already today. Wow. I'm just like going to lay all my cards on the table. I like it. So. I uh, I took my Adderall booster, so I should be in. Uh, wow. This form. is gonna be this is gonna be a zany fucking yeah, episode. Uh, two two opposite ends of the spectrum, mm. um, and and yeah, I mean it's 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 funny thinking about it because Arrakis, that mm. was a planet. It was. It's no longer a planet. And do they even think about it at no. all? No, no or not really. Like, Has, it hasn't really mattered. It hasn't mattered at all. But Dude Nation, though, yeah, that's a much different story. Absolutely. You can't you can't destroy it because it's in the hearts of dudes. Absolutely. You know, whether the honored maters find planet dude nation or not, whether they destroy it or not, you you can't you can't destroy an idea. No. This is D for Dendetta right here. <laughs> yes. You can't destroy an idea. D for Dendetta. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. We here we are, five minutes in. We already got our episode title. Oh, fuck. You're right. Five minutes oh, in. Man. So That's a good. new record. That's a new fucking that record. That is a new right record. There. But I, mean, I don't record. think we're going to top it. I don't think it's no, getting topped. I, I, that's doubtful. Let's not even try. No. Let's not even no, try. Let's move on. 
if it happens, you know, uh, the 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 doors of the church of the planet of the hearts <laughs> of, <laughs> of dude, it's, dude's we're not nation talking, are open. We're not talking about about the uh, like a, a church on the planet. We're saying the no. entire planet is a church. Yeah, it's and a it's church in your part, heart. and it's, and in, it's your in your heart. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so what there's we're a with. there's a lot going on here, but it's it's complicated. But I, I mean, that's there's a lot going on in Chapter House too. Yeah, yeah, there there is there is to to the point where um, I have some real mixed feelings on the book so far. Mm. We're gonna have to talk about that, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, my feelings are a little mixed, man. Um, that's okay. We're gonna have plenty to to yeah. discuss. I, I feel like for for me. Uh, it's, it's, uh, as opposed to mixed feelings, mm. I would say, um, uh, not fully formed feelings yet. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it could go either way at this point. It's tough. I mean, if, if there's one thing that I feel like has remained true, it's like reading a, a, you know, Dune Herbert novel. It's like my you know, can your feelings even really be formed until you're done? Like, cause I loved heretics up until, you know, the last 20% or so. And, you know, I, it's not that I, it's not even that I don't love it after the fact, even though I think the ending kind of, um, tripped and fell, mm. but it's more like that, like there was a there was like this one perfect moment where I felt like everything in Heretics like coalesced into like this idealized whole, but I wasn't done with it yet. You know, yeah. like my feelings kind of had formed, but I didn't have the full picture. And then when I did, and this is just describing like consuming the entirety of any narrative, it's like oh wow. And then I got to the end, and my feelings were different. Like that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. But, um but I, it feels like more more particular to Herbert in the way that he writes and the way that he concludes his stories that it's um, you know how how can you have a fully formed opinion until you see the entire picture mm. you know yeah so yeah. so I, I guess to clarify I I am more in your camp but out of the other Dune novels I've read, it feels like if I were at a similar point through the story with the others, I might have a more positive outlook. And this is like been kind of going back and forth for me. That's all. That's yeah. what I want to say. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand that. I, I, you know, I understand that even more so than uh, like, I feel like going through heretics with you, like you were you were on board from the get go. You were yeah. into it. You were uh, just fucking soaking it all in, you know. Yeah. And um, I was too, but not on your level. I just like I I just I knew. I mean, after God Emperor, yeah. I, I just felt like it, it was too good to be true. And, right. And it, I mean, it was in a way, and it wasn't. Um, but. Uh, so I'm not I'm not surprised that there's a different pacing uh, for this book, but also 
I, I think it could it could totally be be one of these things where it's like slow or back and forth for the first seventy percent of the book, and then the ending is just a fucking slam dunk. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's there's I think we we talked about this last time too, but it's we did. Yeah. There's there's nothing to say that that doesn't happen. And then also, what scares me most of all, what scares me most of all, are we are we we're like we're we're still under halfway done. We're are we like a third of the way there? Um, maybe? let's see. We're we're on page one ninety two, which means yeah, we are under halfway. But I mean, like we're well past a third at yeah. this point too. Like, okay, when we read the next five chapters, we will we will be beyond halfway. Next yeah. time we wow. talk, we will be in the latter half of the book. So that's, firmly, that's crazy to think about. But what really scares me, and mm-hmm. this this is this this has to do with what you're with what you're saying is yeah. What if we read this book, finish it, and we still feel like we haven't seen the whole picture? As I that as, that is you know, that is the fear. Yeah, because I mean, this really was not intended to be the final book. So it just that's been kind of lingering in the back of my mind, and I yeah. just like I don't, I don't want to leave these characters i don't want to leave this universe in you know disarray or uh i mean and maybe that would be maybe that's fitting i i don't know but it's but it's yeah it 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 puts me uh on edge to think about (laughs) yeah no i know what you mean um we have touched on it and i i think honestly I think every episode between now and to the end, we'll probably talk about it because it's, it's one of those things where it's like you, you ever have a, um, I don't know, like a commitment or a deadline or something you agree to, but it's, it's way off in the future. You know, you're like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll RSVP. Uh, so what your, your wedding's Mm. in like a year or something like, Yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll be there year from now easy so easy to say Mm -hmm. yes to something so far away in the future i feel like that's what we did when we started you know it's like sure we'll read all the dune books like let's fucking do it who cares you know and we also always knew that it was not completed the way that it was originally intended and that was weird but it's like whatever you know let's do it we said we would and now we're here and that RSVP date it's tomorrow. Yeah. And we don't have a tux. We're, you know? Yes, we are. We totally don't we don't screwed. have a plane ticket to get to fucking Hawaii or whatever the fuck you're we're, getting married. Like, we're going to the Hella Megator and yeah. we don't know where to park. <laughs> and we we end up getting covid. That, that's a, yeah, that's a much better example. I don't know. I don't know why my mind went to the other thing. Yeah, yeah, we 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 wait in line all day, get get soaked, uh, burn our 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 scalps, and uh, yeah, get downpoured on, and then get COVID. Right, right. That's a possibility. That's it. It's a total possibility. The thing is, that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is to consider this very well could end with what feels like a very jarring, abrupt ending. But it's like. I could see us discussing that and being like, you know what? Like that's almost kind of appropriate for Herbert. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I mean, that's, I, that's, that's what, what I've been thinking too. It very well could feel like an appropriate ending. Like, I don't know. I, I, uh, 
I, Have I, you, I don't know. Let me ask you, because I, I know that you, uh-huh. um, I don't know if it's, it's kind of evened out now, but when we, when we first started ramping up into our, our reading of the Dune novels, it seemed like so too, did you like more and more steep yourself into the online discussion of Dune while still trying to avoid spoilers? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not asking if you know any specifics to the ending of this book, and I'm pretty sure you don't. Um, did you ever come across people's opinions of the ending of this series by Frank Herbert? Yeah, I, I, I do. I uh, actually distinctly remember reading a thread about it. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, there there was no specifics or whatever but but i think it was actually the question was asked like oh um you you know what was frank's seventh book going to be about whatever um then there's like got people arguing about you know oh brian herber has the notes he doesn't have the notes whatever um but uh i i remember people saying that it, it it was unfinished and it was you know meant to be expanded upon but then i do I, I, and this has kind of made me hold out hope because somebody did say like exactly what we're talking about now where they they, they said oh, oh no I think you know chapter house ends like uh, I think he it, I think the person said it, it ends like very fittingly or something or, or yeah it, it, it like <clears throat> feel, it, 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 it feels like a like a uh, uh, you know decent ending so so I I, I, I do hope that I agree with this poster <laughs> right um yeah because i mean there, there's there, there's no people saying that like it ended unsatisfactorily just just people saying oh there was meant to be more or whatever so and um i mean we should just take this book on its own and not yeah. even not even factor in oh there could like we can save that conversation for a later day what like what do you think what the yeah. seventh frank herbert book would have been um so yeah, I think it'll be important for us to take uh, the ending of this book just and just judge it by itself without the potential of a sequel. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll try and do that as best I can. Um, we that that is something that we will have to face as it comes, and you know what. Herbert says about facing your fears, you know? Yeah. He says to face them. Yeah. What, what is a bit uh, more, there's a bit more to it than that, but what does Odrade say? He is of the opinion of facing them. What does Odrade say? Uh, if you, if you turn your back to your fears, they will climb over you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. They'll, they'll climb over you like a monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Climb on your back like a monkey. Yeah. I don't think he says anything about monkeys, but that's, that's her answer to the litany against fair. Yeah, no, she does kind of have her own. It's funny. She's like, yeah, it's kind of long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which feels like Herbert's commentary on his own writing. He's like, yeah, I'm glad you guys like it, but it's yeah. a little cumbersome. Let's, that's pretty let's funny. make it a bit more concise. All right. <sighs> um, you, uh, you want to sing the song? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so let's do it how we did last time. You start. I'll, on, I'll try and come in on three. Yeah, you come on, come in on three, and I come in on four. Okay, I'll try. Uh, yeah, I'll try. Okay. okay. 
One, two, three. She's, She's a, a chapter. chapter. House. House. Yeah. That was better, good. Right? That was good. I think that was better. I think that was better. Yeah. It only took us. Alex likes it. It only took us six, uh, nearly six entire novels to figure out how to compensate for the lag yeah. that, we, that we've just kind of been I know. ignoring and commenting on for like hours and hours and hours we came across it organically we didn't search yeah we didn't yeah google. we didn't google for help no oh, you know oh yeah you know some smug you know tech whiz would be like you know you gotta shift the settings in your man you make you mean yeah you gotta yeah. go into settings and then <laughs> and, and then uh you know click on the latency key and then and then drag that to the left and yeah no, we're gonna yeah. we're just gonna start a second you're gonna start a second ahead of me Problem solved. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me, that is exactly what makes Dune Dudes mm -hmm. Dune Dudes. I yeah. feel like it's stupid, but I mean this. I, I feel like like every podcast has like its shtick, right? And our shtick is that we don't have a shtick. We're just like yeah. two idiots just like not we don't know what we're doing and oh. we're like very transparent about that yeah i mean we're for all intents and purposes we're almost done with Doom dudes like there's there's yeah. a lot more things for us to, to discuss and this is kind of case in point like we don't know what we're doing we don't are we, we gonna read the brian herbert books are we gonna fucking talk about the video games and shit like we don't know we don't we know what we're not, doing after chapter we, we have discussion has it. been made yeah all right but this is what i'm saying you know I like to think that our charm, that what we bring to the table, is instead of being like, and and this is not to like throw shade on other podcasts because I think there really are a lot of great Dune yeah, podcasts. Yeah, but it kind of is. It. I'm not going to name names, but like <laughs> friendly rivalry, <laughs> and they're like, all doing, and they they all have the way more is, listeners I, than we I've do, named, so it's fine. Names so many times, and now I'm like, I'm not going to name names. But like, how yeah, many times have we called? We're not out talking Dune about you, Dune buddies. Relax, <laughs> we're not talking about you this time. But like, but like, I, I feel like a lot of podcasts. It's like, oh, like, is Dune confusing for you? Well, I'm a Dune expert. I've read through Dune yeah. twenty times, and I have all these companion pieces, and I'm going to make this like more more simple for you to parse out and understand but our thing is like we don't know either yeah exactly we're not here to help you no we we probably will not help you understand dune better but if you want to come along for the ride with someone who doesn't know yep. jack shit either and you figure it out together yeah that's what i think we offer i you know what i mean i totally agree and at some points we, we might even confuse you even more yeah i mean we've been wrong a lot yeah that's true and at other points, we might make you think of something in a way that you had not thought of it before. Yeah, or we've been kind of right sometimes too, or in a stupid, funny way. You know, there's yeah, so yeah. I, I think I think you're right. I think that is our charm. Bye, babe. Bye. Have fun. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Cool. But yeah, so that is a uh, that is Dune dudes in a in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm really glad that we could like distill the essence of of what we we offer and why someone might want to like jump into the podcast like at one of the very last episodes. Yeah, I know, I know. It would be cool if we had known that from the get go. Yeah, but by by our very nature, how could we have? 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. When, when it wasn't planned out in the first place. No. So let's jump into our uh, unplanned, unscripted discussion of the next five chapters of Chapter House. Let's do it. You ready? All right. I'm ready. So chapter one, it's a it's a short one. It's a quick one. It's Sightail. Our buddy Sightail. Yeah, we get a we get a small Sightail chapter. Um he is there's a couple things. He's whistling down the corridors. Oh yes, he is, yeah. Now I'm I'm gonna draw attention to this right away because the third line on this fucking page is get them accustomed to me whistling. Yep. Do you remember why that may be important? Um, is it something from the past? It is something okay, that I, jumped I, out. Then I don't. I thought this might be a, a small hint drop into back from Dune Messiah, Bejaz like mind controls yeah, yeah, yeah. hate through the whistling. Yep, yep. And if somehow Sightail has someone on this no ship conditioned somehow. You yeah, who he can awaken. Right. If if the people surveil surveying the no ship aren't gonna really think twice about Sightail's whistling, then that sets him up in the perfect place to maybe be able to control someone with his whistling dude, further down the road. Dude, who is literally on that no ship? Oh, fuck! Wait, yes! Who? That could be it! Literally the same person who has hates fucking memories. Oh, shit! Why didn't I think about that? That's exactly it. Wow. If the past life of Duncan as hate yeah literally is in him literally his genes are spliced and they're like why why are all his genes you know why does he have these these genes spliced in i mean it, it could be a red herring but it's like that's that seems like a like an obvious um strategy yeah wow thanks for getting me there because i really only had that first piece and i didn't even yeah. I mean, I the next part. I had so. not even thought of of that at all, but that that could very well. Be, I mean, knowing obviously the role that Saitel played with Bajaz and Messiah, it like it makes like too much sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean that line, get them accustomed to the whistling. I was like, yeah. What is I? What I, is with that? I totally like knew like oh the whistling is gonna be part of him doing something. Yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, maybe it's gonna. I don't know. But I didn't think about the um the 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 whole you know um, conditioning thing, which which you're right. Damn. Well, well, yeah. We'll, I mean, that's... yeah. We we'll see. But there's there's a lot there, there's a lot that could could go down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And in that, I mean, thinking about it just a little bit further, because originally what the whistling was supposed to do was to put hate in a in a in a state where he would kill paul yes right? yep but if paul's not there 
would it maybe make sense that he'd be put into a state where he would kill an Atreides? I that, mean, that yeah, could mean that's possible. Teg. That yeah. could mean Odrade. Yeah. Um, but at this point in the story, it feels like Teg. But I mean, who knows? It does, but um, but also we we don't know what they what the Tleilaks have done, you know, or like what other alternate plans they've worked in there or if they've modified that in any way and in, in the genes and the you know millennia since I I, I, I I don't know you know yeah no it ones, could be completely they're the ones that right. put put the hate gene in there you know so who's to say they didn't fuck with it a little bit yeah well absolutely um I mean with this chapter it's like what what else does he talk with Odrade? Is that what this is? Or does he just like chill? I kind of, this, this is the, obviously the furthest back chapter I read too. I think um, he does I, talk to Odrade, but maybe that's a different chapter. Um, yeah, at the very least he's, he's thinking about a conversation yeah. he had with Odrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if he's not talking well, to Might be a previous conversation that he's thinking about. Um, but honestly, when I when I look at my notes, my only note for this chapter is uh, it has to do with his song too. But he says he com- he thinks of lyrics for his song, and the only lyric that he comes up with is Slaylaxu's sperm does not talk." Yeah, that's weird. And I I just thought that was like dumb. That <laughs> was like just like a dumb Herbert thing. Yeah. Um, it's not even that it's dumb that, like, you know, it's, like, stupid. Like, I get that in, like, the, the context of his universe. It, like, makes sense and is probably more clever than I'm going to give him credit for in this podcast. But, like, in my mind, I read that line. And it's just one of those things that makes me go, like, Herbert, you know? Yeah. No, it's like I mean, a Herbert thing. No, it's it's pretty dumb. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just it's just pretty dumb. Yeah, just dumb. Herber, is, that, is that what we're going to land? That's what, just, that's what I yeah. think, at least. But I guess it's that classic Sightail way, you know. Classic. That we love so much. Yeah, um, it's a short chapter. I'm already pretty happy with what we discussed. Like, I'm not looking to get a ton out of this. Um, is, do you want to say anything about this chapter? How do you feel? Um, I don't think there was much more that was important, even with this conversation with uh, Odrade. But I don't remember everything. Yeah, me neither. I I feel like if we're missing something, it's it's probably not that important anyways. So I'm fine with just being like, yeah, that was chapter one, you know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it just it's just more of um, you know, Sightail sizing up Odrade, and vice versa, and Sightail thinking that he's he's going to pull one over on them and yeah, totally. All right. Um, let's go to chapter two, but can you pause it really quick? Because yeah. when I was pouring my drink, I, I spilled. A okay. Bit already, we'll do a pause. So. All right. All right. So chapter two, not to, I get the like talking about it and drawing attention to it kind of defeats the purpose, but I feel like, um, 
this has got to be like a very recent record for us to get to chapter two in whatever amount of time we're at right now. Yeah. It's pretty solid. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty solid. I mean, well, let's not mention how short the chapter was. We can stop mentioning that. No. Yeah. Um, Consider it unmentioned. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of us for getting to chapter two. Not We're not even half an hour in, so we're good. That's... That is yep. fantastic. Absolutely. Let's talk about that for the next 15 minutes and destroy <laughs> all our progress. No. Um, chapter freaking two. Um, Odrade. Connor, what happens in chapter two? You just read it. Um, Let me add her a little. It's, it's Odrade. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, it, it's it's uh, the... Um, a disgraced Bene Gesserit comes, be- uh, finds her way to Chapter House from oh my god a prison planet. Yes, to to uh, give news to Adrade. Yes. So suddenly that that brings a lot back. I tried. This hasn't happened in a while either. I tried to read this chapter like three separate times. Yeah, and I really had to like will myself. To get through it, because there's like a solid four pages before the disgraced Reverend Mother even shows up. And so much of this chapter is like, it's written in this really loose, like, stream of consciousness. Like, like you're in Odrade's brain, and her thoughts keep jumping and jumping and jumping. And I keep thinking, like, I should find this really interesting it feels like this would be a chapter like to, to get so intimately in the head of a character like this. It feels like it would be something that would really draw me in and I'd have a lot to talk about and it'd be like, holy shit. But I got to tell you, Connor, it feels like her thoughts kept jumping forward with like such quickness that I, I, I don't know. I, um, I didn't get a lot out of it until the Reverend Mother showed up, which is probably why you started, you know, if you're going to describe the chapter, the way you did it is great. Yeah. But there's more to it than that. And I was like, oh, God, Herbert, like, get to the point. All this shit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that kind of is maybe just where Odrade's mind is at, you know. I mean, kind of in a similar way to Terraza in Heretics. You know, she's she's very, um, very on edge, and and I you know I think her mind is is jumping from bit to bit, and it's it's it doesn't seem like any, like she's thinking about much that's like very fruitful or or you know particularly important. Yeah, I think you're right. That's probably what Herbert was trying to convey, and maybe if I reread this chapter with a bit more, like, patience, um, I'd get more out of it, but it it felt like a bit of a slog for me. Um, On... There was a couple things I I took down that I wanted to mention. Um... Let me pull up my notes quick. 
Okay, page 150. <clears throat> While Odrade is going through those thoughts. Um, she's... I don't really know what, what sparks this thought, but I'm going to read what her, mm. she's thinking of at this point. Um, we speak glibly of the mind at its beginning, but what was I before the pressures of living shaped me? It wasn't enough to seek something natural, quote-unquote. No noble savage. She had, been, she had seen plenty of those in her lifetime. The strings jerking them were quite visible to a Bene Gesserit. All right. Um, I wanted to draw attention to that because I thought Herbert using the line, the term noble savage, was really interesting. Because that's a critique that I levied at Herbert going through um, Messiah specifically. Um... And, I don't know, I mean, without jumping around too much in my own mind, maybe I am more like Odrade, but like, think Star Wars ring theory is that like, within the, the movies of the saga, there are like, movies that mirror each other, like one okay. and six are going to mirror each other, yeah. two and five are going to mirror each other. That's not like theoretically applicable here but i already have pointed out a few things that i feel like this book as as theoretically there would be seven that chapter house would be the mirror to messiah bring back Tail, i think kind yeah. of shows mm -hmm. some of that mm -hmm. and messiah is exactly the book that i levied the critique at that it, it kind of utilized the noble savage trope that the that the fremen were fucking used like tools to like create this empire that that like uses them like a resource yeah and then after it creates like the very society that it used them in the first place to create it like has the audacity to be like, yeah, you were better before. Like <laughs> now you're all living in suburbs and all this yeah. shit. But even though I'm the one that used you like a tool to turn you into a worse version of yourselves, I'm also going to fucking like make fun of you for becoming that worse version of yourself that I made you. I'm I'm being kind of long-winded here like usual, but do you see what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, yeah. Okay. So, because of that, because I felt like in Messiah particularly, Herbert is kind of romanticizing the way the Fremen were before, like, the colonialist society turned them into something else. That that, in and of itself, is the noble savage, like, idea, the trope. So for Herbert to bring it back here, to literally name it, and be like, that's, that's not what's happening here, I thought was very interesting. 
I wish that after that preamble, I had like a sharper point to come to, but also much like I was saying, I don't really plan this shit out. I just put shit down in my notes that I think might, might make an interesting discussion. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But all I mean is um, I, I thought it was odd and interesting for, for Herbert to use it because it shows like the clarity of his awareness of it. I wonder if that was a critique that was levied at him even at the time. And perhaps he was thinking, I might slide this into my work as a means to show, like, not only am I aware of it, yeah. but, like, kind of like the way that the original Dune novel is is often, um, often critiqued for being a white savior story. Yeah, it's a very timely um, critique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there is also a strong argument against it being so. That it is, in fact, a critique of the white savior narrative, and that's why it can be so easily misconstrued as sure. that very story. Mm. And yeah. so maybe similarly, he's also critiquing the noble savage trope here, and so he's trying to draw attention like, yes, I'm aware this was not me using it in a negative way, I think the problem, maybe this is where I'm going to end on, and I'd like to hear your, your response. I think maybe the problem is that Herbert himself, as like a human being, as a person, I think does include a very wide variety of like tropes and nuances and ideas in his stories. And I think in his brain, as he's writing it in the past, probably is thinking, I'm including this and I'm going to deconstruct it and critique it in my narrative. But I don't know if he follows through with all of his ideas so thoroughly yeah. as for people to feel like, aha, this was a clear deconstruction and critique. I, I, I think that's what he means to do a mm -hmm. lot of the time. But that's not where his strengths as an author ultimately lie. And some of the things that he includes to critique or to deconstruct are not successfully done. And that is why for decades and decades and decades, people will not see that that was what he was trying to do. Yeah. If in fact it was, you see, that's, that's maybe where I'm trying. To I, I, yeah, I think that is, I mean, you could argue, obviously the white savior trope, that's probably the, the, the strongest one you can argue um, for the deconstruction of, then you could you could argue uh, you know about homophobia or whatever in in God Emperor. Um, then the the whole noble savage thing that's interesting. This is my this is my first time really thinking about the term unless we did talk about it during Messiah, which then I don't remember. But um, anyways. It's it's interesting to me. It could have been. It, it could be a subtle nod to that critique, um, but I I don't see any way. Any you know means of deconstructing, especially with you know Odrada even just comparing a noble savage to the Bene Gesserit, which is another interesting thought. Um, but yeah, I mean uh. I think it probably is something that he was aware of, whether he was, you know, using it as a as a self-referential thing or not. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to say what he's what he's trying to do here, especially because Odrade's thoughts are so, um, you know, topsy turvy. Yeah, <clears throat> looking at it again, it probably is less of a like self acknowledgement. Um, I'll try and be concise, but just looking at it one more time, really what Odrade is thinking about is, I think she's just like stressed out and she's like, man, you know, isn't it so funny that like the universe and the society that I live in thereby is asserting all of this pressure on me and yet are we as like a collective humanity not the ones who created Mm. the society that pressures us like isn't it funny that everyone kind of agrees that life sucks but like we're the ones that made life suck yeah and so she kind of thinks as someone who has the ability to like go back in time in her own brain and think like, well, what was it like before we made all these fucking rules and laws, which is shit we can talk about in the Lucilla chapter too. Exactly. I think um, it, it, it definitely is, is something that is meant to thematically link up with, and, yeah. with what Lucilla talks about. But she's like, so what was it like before the Bene Gesserit? Like I, those memories are in my brain. Yeah. What was it like before Western society, you know? Um, not that they would think of it that way. And she says to herself, no noble savage, you know, and of course the noble savage, that idea that, you know, um, that essentially, um, you know, man lived in a kind of harmony with nature, you know, that, uh, but, but even more than that, it's the perspective of the people of Western society that those who did live harmoniously with nature had like a, a freer, less troubled, less pressured, more idealized, almost perfect kind of life. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, you know, to remove the trappings of society would create a, a better person. Um, and she says to herself, the strings jerking them of the noble savage were quite visible to a Bene Gesserit. And so she's saying like, even though it's a very romantic idea to think that like people were, were more free in a less rigid society, you know, that, that people are always going to be, um, conditioned to do things by the universe, you know? If it's not society or rules or laws or proctors or watchdogs that shape your opinion or your actions, then it's going to be the weather or sure. animals or nature. There are strings attached to all people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting. That's definitely one of a, a, a few driving points that Herbert is trying to get across this book and a little bit in heretics too. Um, and yeah, we'll talk more about that 
with the Lucilla chapter, but part of me feels like it's a very defeatist attitude. Uh, yeah. So we'll see if there's a resolution to that or any more clarity. All right. The only other thing I I was going to mention, it's not long after this. And like I mentioned, this is like very stream of consciousness. consciousness. So like I'm going to... Usually I would read just a line, but I, I want to read kind of a chunk of this chapter. Yeah. Um, because Odrade is still thinking about the tyrant, leader of the second. Yes, I was gonna I was gonna mention that too. Yeah, and yeah, there's there's some agreement, some you know, uh, poking poking fun at him. Uh, so it's, yeah, her her relationship with him. Or with the idea of him is very is is interesting to me. It is, and I still don't fully. Not not that there's necessarily like one agreed upon idea of this throughout like all of Bene Gesserit society, but like I don't fully understand what like the Bene Gesserit think about Leto either. Like, do they admire him? Are they in awe of him? Do they resent him? It's not so clear as it's just one of those things. I'm sure it's a mixture of that and more. But, like, I, one of the things that I think is a strength of Herbert's writing and also sometimes a little confusing is, like, he doesn't give you those clear answers. Like, he's not going to sit down and be like, this is what the Bene Gesserit think. He yeah. gives you several Bene Gesserit characters, yes. shows you what each of them think, and then, like, you're kind of meant to draw those broad conclusions. Yeah. And... Between the two of, like, being vague but giving you, like, bits of information or just outright fucking telling you, I far prefer the way that Herbert goes about same, it. Same and it's, it's what's interesting about reading his stories. Yeah. But it also leaves me feeling very confused at times. Yeah, I mean, it's even more intriguing post-God Emperor Bene Gesserit because we do have, like, for the first time, it feels like, the majority of them are it's like they're they're not a monolith you know yes um, yes that's a great point that's and, exactly it so there there are dissenting opinions with them still being a functioning unit and i think it boils down to the choice terraza had to make in heretics you know is she going to fight back against about you know against leto's plan for them or was she going to you know work alongside the golden path and it does seem to me that it may not be or maybe the majority of the Bene Gesserit have not admitted it to themselves but it feels like they know it in their bones and Odrade even says as much that um, they like the, following the golden path is more important than than preserving the Bene Gesserit cause, because if if there is no humanity around, there, there'd be no reason for their order in the first place. Right. That is exactly it. Yeah. And, and it seems so. So it seems like Odrade does have an understanding of that. And whether she says it openly or not, that is that is the path that she is following. You're right. Yeah. I remember that line. And it is interesting because like that's one of the thoughts that kind of labels her as um you know kind of volatile 
she's like dangerous to the Bene Gesserit in the same way that the Bene Gesserit view Teg at the moment, you know, where it's like so much of the survival of their order rides on this thing. And it could either turn into the thing that everyone hopes it will be and be like the savior of everyone, or it'll be the opposite. Yeah. And yeah. We're putting all of our fucking faith into this one thing. And if you're gambling everything on one thing, if you're wrong, then you lose. And yeah. losing in this case means everyone dies. So we know that in the later chapters here too, like Odrade is is called into question by the proctors. It's voted that she remain in power, but like just the fact that those deliberations are happening in the Bene Gesserit And only by one vote. Is big. Right, and only by one vote. Mm-hmm. And I really like that you brought up the like Taraz's plan and and sort of that as like an origin point of some of the problems that we're facing here because jumping ahead a bit, I'll I'll jump back, but chapter 4 uh the bottom of page 179, there's a passage I wanted to reference that that is exactly what you're saying. <clears throat> this is what it says. Um Knowing, this is Odrade thinking to herself, by the way, knowing probable consequences, why did we ignite them? Them being the honor maters. Mm -hmm. We aren't like the person who hits out at a round gray object with a stick and finds that the object was a hornet's nest. We knew what we struck. Mm -hmm. Terraza's plan, and none of us questioned. Mm -hmm. So... This is when Odrade is is thinking like she she's still mulling over this idea like why are the honored maters so hell bent on the complete eradication of all Bene Gesserit like and then she thinks well the origin point of their rage is the very fulcrum of Taraza's plan so yeah. essentially in in this metaphor of course the honored maters are the hornet's nest and Taraza's plan was the stick. Yeah. And so Adrade is like, why did Taraza so deliberately strike the nest? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Truthfully, I don't know either. I'm wrestling with the same question, but the fact that it was part of a plan, it's like, did Terraza fully consider the consequences? If she did, where does that leave us? If she yeah. didn't, then are we fucked? Like, I know. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough because I, I guess the, you know, when thinking about um, the Honored Maters and their kind of behavior and their philosophies, it's been mentioned a few times that if they had their way and kind of decimated everybody, that what would be left, it would, it would only be, be them. And then they would, you know, fold in upon themselves because all they do is chaos and wreak havoc and, yeah. um, you know, destroy. So, so that really would be the an end to humanity um, in a way uh, that I guess they, they can't stand for. Um, so I guess calculated risk, right? They... 
um, need to attack to prevent that. Um, but also, I think it's in it's one of the one of the next chapters mm. where Odrade really kind of <clears throat> meditates on on who the animators are and what their character is, and that's that you know that's 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 pretty interesting too. Yeah, we that. get a lot of we get a lot of Bene Gesserit thought on the animators. We do, yeah. yeah. Let's let's get to those chapters. What I was going to draw attention to in this chapter was um Odrai thinking to herself like no wonder we distrust emotions she's talking about the separation of church and state yeah and she's like well that's a bunch of fucking garbage yeah that's impossible uh because of the emotion attached to religion yeah you can't separate those things and so she thinks no wonder we distrust emotions I mean that that says a lot I because I, I think it also shows like why the Bene Gesserit like so readily weaponize religion, you know, to them, they've separated church and state so much to the point where church is only a tool, you know, exactly. state, state is where they live. Church is so far away. No one believes in it. Yeah. They're like, well, we'll just use it because yep. other stupid people believe in it. Exactly. Like, I know. I mean, that's what they're planning to do with Shiana and, uh, I mean, Lucila spells it all out to the animator in the in in one of the following chapters. Yeah, yeah, uh, it spells it out beautifully. Um, so, yeah. Did you that's... did you know that in um, I I came across this going through, um, you know, just like online discussions and stuff. Um. That in Herbert's original drafts, before he he published the first Dune novel, instead of robes, all the Bene Gesserit were going to wear fedoras. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did hear that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. uh it's it's funny actually. I think that would be be you know more fitting. I I mean that would have been a real prescient vision. You would have had but, to uh, break out your your old fedora for <laughs> for, for for you know these these last two books. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it. It is funny because it's like these are very these really are very libertarian ideas, but also a a lot you know borders on like in anarchism, which they you know he even uses the word anarchy, but he doesn't mean it as what anarchy is. He means it. He I mean he uses it in the same sentence as chaos. So that's what he's 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 linking anarchy with chaos. But you know we're, we're you know talking about there's no good laws and. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, railing against any kind of government, it's like that. Like, like what? Like he he really is describing an like a, a sort of anarchism. Um, yes. But um, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 pretty clear, and it's it's kind of funny because you know he's he's railing against these things. Or sorry, Lucilla is describing the Bene Gesserit philosophy on these things, just as. Leto was describing, you know, his philosophy on all these same things, but they both still use those those things to their advantage, you know. Oh, Leto as in uh Leto God too. Emperor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I shouldn't have assumed you meant anything else, but for a second I was like, wait, are we doing a Biden thing again? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I I want to jump into chapter three as well. Well, we gotta talk about the 
The Visitor. All right. Yeah. Okay. So quickly. <laughs> <laughs> How would you say this person's name? I want to ask you that first. Spell it again. Was it was it like Darul or D R O T U J L A? Draw, draw, draw D R O. How do D R O? Okay. T U J L A. Dratula, 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 Dratula. I, I, I think it's Dortula. Did, did you, you said D R O. Oh fuck! Oh no, I'm just drunk. D O R. Sorry, okay. Dor- Dortula. Yeah, Dortula. Yeah. D- yeah, I'm just drunk. Did I? <laughs> wow, I said, I was like, reading it too. Like, hey, you know, it's um. It's one we knew. I we said at the start of this, it was going to be one of those. It's fine. I th- I think Duratul is the is yeah. That's how I would pronounce it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. What about this visitor, Connor? What do you want to say? Um. I mean, she makes her way from a prison planet with kind of a warning slash information for Odrade. She was banished there for um, for something that went on with a lover of hers that broke the Bene Gesserit code of conduct, and she was yeah, it, punished. it was known. It was the Jessica crime. Yeah, the, the exactly the Jessica crime. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, she's sent out to live out her days on this prison planet, but she comes back with some good intel and impresses Odrade, and they kind of cook up a scheme together. Hell yeah, that is it. Um, because interestingly, <clears throat> she on this planet is approached by Futars mm-hmm. and their handlers. So apparently, Futars need handlers. Not too surprising. They seem to be like very like feral. Yeah. In fact, in this chapter too, they speculate that um. Futars are humans that are like spliced with cat genes. Yes, yep, exactly. Yeah, that's 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 kind of something that both Odrade and uh D- Dortula <laughs> pick up yeah. on. Um but also it's confirmed I think that they do have a a humanish appearance. Yes, it's, it's it still, is. It's recognizably human form. Yeah, I haven't mentioned this, and I know this isn't going to mean anything to you, but it didn't stop me from talking about Game of Thrones shit in in the first book. But um, the Futars, to me, are very reminiscent of um, the like the kind of like lesser homunculus experiments in Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. Um, Again, I know it doesn't mean anything to you. This is this is uh, strictly for the benefit of the listenership of Dude Nation within their hearts. Churches. Yeah, I'm sure that I mean there there's I'm you know, <clears throat> for sure a lot of crossover. I th- I'm sure there appeal. is. Um, but yeah, like very like vacant eyes, animalistic instinct. I mean that's that's what the homunculi, not not the like greater homunculi based off the seven deadly sins in Full Metal Alchemist, but like the lesser. Are are essentially 
human experiments uh, spliced with genetic data from animals to yeah. create this new horrible thing. They're always bad. It's it's always very much a cautionary tale of playing God and, and using science outside the boundaries of, like, morality. Mm. Um, and so we don't really know about the origins of futars. It's, it's all very shrouded in mystery. But the way that I picture futars is like full metal alchemist shit. So, uh... So yeah, so the so the futars slash their handlers, which are like kind of also unknown variables. We don't really know. Yeah, who the they're are. they're like pretty much just like humans, but with they're just people with scattering characteristics and accents. <clears throat> right. Um, they want to make an alliance with the Bene Gesserit against their common foe of the Honor Maiders. Yeah. And Dortula is kind of going to use herself as bait to try and not only create that alliance, but also, like, make a, uh, but, but also talk with the Honor Maters and, and to, like, try and, um, create a situation that would get the Bene Gesserit to junction. The yes. base of like honor mater operation. Yep, and Odrade wants to have a a meetup. She wants to have a meet cute. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Um, Everyone's like, "Are you sure about that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're like, "Well, the honored maters don't bargain," mm-hmm. and Odrade's thing is like, "Well, the honored maters." have created like alliances with other people and they might bargain feels very reminiscent of how Paul takes down Shadam the fourth. Mm. It's not by defeating the emperor himself. No, no. It's by defeating the power structures that support the emperor. Yes. If you can true. get the spacing guild on your side. Yep then what pillar does the emperor have to stand on? Yeah, None. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, they, they were kind of talking about destroying. Um, oh, I guess that's a different chapter where they talk about destroying Gamu or, or, you know, the economy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But same idea. Still very relevant. Yes. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're building on that as yeah. the chapters go. Right, so it's not so much about defeating the honor maters. It's like, can we draw them into a point of, you know, vulnerability? Exactly, that's yeah. the word. Exactly. So that's pretty much what we're discussing here. Chapter fucking three, which we've already kind of talked about. We've been talking about it. Yeah. But let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get down to fucking specifics. Here. Let's do it. Lucilla. This, yeah, this is the Lucilla chapter, which, I mean, after, you know, everyone trying to bargain with Odrade and saying, oh, do you want to really go and meet the Honored Maters? And yeah, stuff? yeah. Uh, this, this, this chapter is a good example of why, you know, they're, they're not, that's not, they're, they're not anything to mess around with, you know? No. They're really not. Um, 
and I will say, uh, this this is this is this reminds me of the first Dune, where this thing we were talking, we knew was going to happen. We were talking about for a long time from the very beginning of the book, and finally, yeah. I think like one third of the way, or just before that, it it actually finally happens, and this is this is the same same deal here. <clears throat> you know Our what's funny? Poor girl. I know, I know. Poor Lucilla. I, you know what's funny is I, I see you draw the parallel to Lucilla's death. Spoiler alert. Yeah. To Leto. And I think like broad brushstrokes, I get why you do that. And I'm with you on it. Uh, But I wanted to do a separate but similar uh-huh. connection to the first Dune book. Um, in that, let me, let me paint you a picture. It's a chapter in the first Dune book where the whole chapter, and I'm only really going to speaking for myself. Like I think if you were maybe, uh, even just slightly more in tune with what was going on, you could Mm -hmm. very easily pick out that this is what was going to happen. Sure. But I didn't. Um, but the whole chapter, there's a character that is kind of wrestling with this conflict. Uh, they're trying to figure out how they might escape from the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been stripped of all their equipment. In any other situation, any other person would be waiting to die. But this person, Kynes, yep. uh is kind of waffling back and forth between like, is there a way for me to get out of this? Can I survive? And the tragic thing is there is a possibility. They can. Kynes, I I believe, is considering if if he could somehow get a worm, like could he ride it? Um Yeah. I, I could be a little off in yeah, that. Yeah, I think but it's I I feel like too uh... Maybe I, because he's on he he's like on top of the um like the pre spice mass the pre spice mass yes yeah I, I feel like he's thinking about if he can get under it somehow yeah and he can kind of like oh, ride, it out, it. ride it out ride it out and that but then I think a worm will come and then he could and then maybe he's thinking he that's how he could escape is he is he, if he can if he can ride a worm right um obviously he d- does not happen but. Does not. I see what you're doing here with Lucilla, and I, I, I agree. I, I totally Thank see you. what you're trying to get up. The the thing that made me think of that connection really doesn't have anything to do with the chapter, even though I think you can make more arguments for it. But I remember very specifically when Kynes dies, the line is something to the effect of, like as his planet swallowed him mm. or as mm. his planet killed him some he he thinks like oh the most important lesson of ecology is like actions and consequences or like mm. it's it's something to that effect yeah lucilla's death line is as she died lucilla's awareness was filled with a scream of rage the horde of lampadas venting emotions it had confined for many generations mm. And I, I felt an immediate parallel to, like, they don't just die. The line is written in the present tense of their death. Like, you die yeah. with the character, you know? Like, yeah. it yeah. happens as you read the sentence. And you're like, 
Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 very much a conscious death. Yeah. In a way. Right. Yes. Yes. And, it's a um, it's an awareness of your death it is, as it yeah. happens. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. And I think you know, like you said, you can make the argument for more of a comparison. Like they both know that there is a huge possibility of them dying and instead of you know try like thinking kind of like reasoning with with yourself and how to get out of this mess lucila is doing that but not internally but by sparring with this honor mater um you know verbally and you know to her it's like that could be her get out of jail free card um but she ended up making the wrong move. Just, just, just one slight wrong move, and then that was it. Then that was game over. Totally. Um, and I mean, the thing between the the difference between the two uh, scenes is that kinds like from the beginning, like uh, we we know he is knocking on death's door. I guess we should have with the animators because we've been told a million times how dangerous they are. But yeah. but we don't really know that Lucille is actually going to die until the very end. No, you know, not at all. Yeah, it 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 it's a very slight turn of the heel from the Spider Queen. Yeah, although to like completely belabor the point, it's actually a very stark turn of the heel through Lucilla's fucking skull. Yeah, Am yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. Her leg, been, like, teleports pun, through I her know. head. Pun should have been intended there, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, literally, yeah. <clears throat> no, um, I mean, it's crazy. And I mean, like, in, in our copy, too, I don't know how this is in others, but you get to the page of one, the very bottom of 171, it ends on a full stop. Mm. It ends on a period. The sentence concludes... The great honor mater says, don't speak. Don't even open your mouth. And I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. You turn the page, there's like fucking 10 lines there if you're lucky. And just like you're saying, like, the the abruptness of the feeling of this chapter was so well done. Because the the thought of, like, Lucilla's mortality is not on my mind throughout a single line of this chapter no until i turn the last page yeah and all of a sudden it's like what mm-hmm. what the fuck are you kidding I know. me it's like, like a jump cut i've yeah exactly that's very well said and i think particularly too i don't know how intentional this is or not but i mean like you and i have already discussed the possibility of lucilla's death like twice throughout this I book. I know, I know. I thought Lucilla was already dead. Yeah, yeah. We, we thought she was dead twice already, yeah. Exactly. And then Herbert's like, no, nah, no, nah, she's good. And I'm like, oh, so Lucilla's like a character, like yeah. a character character, right? Uh-huh. Like, she's fine. She's gonna make And then it. Herbert's like, no, she's fucking dead. And I was like, what the fuck? I know. Are you I kidding know. me? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of teasing. And I mean, it just happens when you least expect it. That's I think that's one of the, I, you know what? Fuck, I, 
I I read on Twitter. You probably saw the same tweet where um, where maybe it was maybe it was Twitter, maybe it was Instagram. But but they compared you know uh, the whole concept of of walking without rhythm to um, Leto's philosophy in in life with with not knowing the future, keeping surprises for himself, and. Okay, you know, I didn't of, see this, by the way, okay. so please go on. I thought it was a good comparison because, I mean, you know, his his preference there is to walk without rhythm through through life. You know, you don't you don't you you uh, don't want it to be just filled with predictability day in day out. Similar to how you have to tread on Arrakis to avoid sandworms, but that's that also made me think that that is a good uh, description of Frank Herbert's writing throughout this entire thing is because you, you know he throughout this entire thing does not dive into these conventional tropes until you think he doesn't do that and then he does you know what i mean so it's yeah it's it's he, he's not even always a contrarian it's just whatever you it's like you you think you know what he's gonna do and then you don't and so that's that's the only thing that we actually know about his writing style is that we just don't like it could it could be <laughs> it, could, it could be anything you know he, he, he could philosophize beautifully and, 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 and uh, you know, have, have Duncan say something super poignant and um, life affirming or he or he could talk trash about, you know, um, you know, gay fish uh, yep. speakers like. Yep. So it's it, you just you don't it, it's 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 fascinating. But I, I, <coughs> I feel like this is a, this is kind of a good example of of Frank Herbert writing without rhythm or walking yeah. through the story without rhythm. Totally. No, I, I like that you drew attention to that. And for the record, yeah, I did not um, see that same post wherever you came across it. Uh, because it's true, like, if there's one thing we've tried to do mostly unsuccessfully throughout this podcast, it's to, like, or, or rather, the more we go through the Dune books, the more we talk about Herbert. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, when we first read Dune, the first Dune novel, we didn't really talk about Herbert. We didn't even really say Herbert that much. No. We'd say, like, oh, it's funny they did that. Yeah. Funny this happened. Mm-hmm. But, like, really what we mean is, like, what's going on with this Frank Herbert guy? The more we read these books, the more we're, like... This is Herbert. Exactly. I think it, it took us a little bit to, but but we realized that Frank Herbert is actually a character in the book. You know, yeah, like right. It, it actually is also about him. At the you're same, right. At the same time as being a fictional story. You're right. You're right. Right. Because like so much, when we talk about like mouthpiece characters or like what you know, like so often when we interrogate and and we're going to in about five fucking minutes. Yeah. I cannot wait to discuss the politics in this chapter. I know. I know. Because it makes me think about her bird yep. specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even yep. really care about the politics. I do like at the end of the day. Sure. But like I in when we discuss it, I care about it in so far as like, is this what Herbert thinks or is he Absolutely. bringing it into the story to, to, to critique it? Yeah. That's also what the discussion of we were having is like of the noble savage. Like, is this yep. in the story uh, unwittingly, haphazardly, yes. A, yes. as as an unconscious thing that that Herbert does and unwittingly stumbles into the negative version of the trope, or is it something that he directly, deliberately engages with, but 
maybe depending on your viewpoint successfully or unsuccessfully like works to detangle uh yeah that trope. Mm-hmm. but even more than that when you're saying like that it's it's so funny like to try to predict how herbert will write things so often our discussion is like oh well he could do anything right and it's true he can because he does keep the like more conventional standard tropey option on the table but when he chooses to execute it yep. within the rhythm of the story exactly exactly that could be the thing that like that makes you lose your footing mm-hmm. we yep. do expect lucilla to die Yep, but the fact that it happens here at this point at the end of this chapter is so unsettling. Absolutely, yeah, you're that's you're what's spot weird. on. You're spot on. Yeah, it's yeah that that's one of his. I mean, benchmarks at this point. That that's that's one of his strongest characteristics as a writer. And um, I don't know. I I back to like mouthpieces and stuff. I feel like. You know, with a lot of writers, you'd be like, oh, this again, he's just spewing his own opinion, his own shit. But I don't know. It's like even if it if I don't agree with everything the mouthpiece character at the moment is saying, yeah. like, it's always or mo- most of the time it is written in a way that I find very fascinating and gives me a lot to chew on. Um, yes. And so I'm never really upset. When I hear lines that I know are Herbert, you know? Yeah. That's totally fair. And I I think that's kind of it, too. Like, it's funny how, how aware and how dominated our discussions sometimes are of, like, what I consider to be the fluctuating quality of the Dune novels as they go on. You know, like that's that's also part of what we're always talking about. Like, is this as good as what came before or like yeah. what makes this do novel more or less interesting than others? And, you know, I'm not surprised that in the latter half of the Dune novels, I'm finding myself feeling like there's more stumbling points. But what's crazy is that even though I I think there are some narrative or thematic things that that I take issue with in the story. Um, That Herbert's writing itself stays most consistent. So, like, even if I'm like, what's with this shit in God Emperor? Or, like, why would you you end Heretics this way? Like, what's going on? The fact is, the way that Herbert writes is, like, still pretty much as sharp as it was in the beginning. Like it's Mm -hmm. like this very cutting style. It it really makes me think. And from what I've heard, um, you know, before he, he wrote and published Dune, um, I'm pretty sure he was a journalist or, you know, works like writing editorials and stuff. Yeah, I think so. And like when you, when you learn like writing through like what's going to be published in uh, an article, the skill that you need 
most is like knowing what you're going to cut and omit because Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to write in like very short informative but engaging sentences Mm -hmm. the way you deliver the interesting has to be concise but it has to be interesting and that's like hard yeah yeah it's hard to do um and i'm willing to bet that some of his skill was was honed in those early days. So it's funny to see how that carries over into like what feels would be a very large departure from like matter of fact day-to-day writing into like weird sci-fi bullshit. But I think he carries it over. Yeah. I I think you're probably right because I mean, I think we've said it before or I've said it before that he's like really not like a writer writer. You know, he's... He's, he's got his own distinct thing going on. Um, it's got to come from somewhere. So I'm sure that's one of the places that made him who he was. Well, let's talk about what may or may not be mouthpiece characters yes. in this chapter. Yes. Let's talk about the politics discussion here. We get one side from Lucilla as the Bene Gesserit. We get one side from Dama as the honor maters. Don't call me and Dama. Don't yeah, right? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> um Is there is there anywhere in this discussion you feel like you want to start? Um, do you want me to jump in? How do you feel? I mean, I just want to mention that uh Lucilla's conversation with the uh Futar in the beginning was was yeah. good. Where, yes. where where she's trying to learn more about him, she's trying to see if she can manipulate him. All the while knowing that um, Spider Queen is listening, uh, so it's a pretty ballsy tactic right off the bat. Um, it is. It's it's another thing. Last episode, I was talking about the way that um the Honor Maiders and the Bene Gesserit mirror each other in these ways and like here we have lucilla trapped definitely monitored and then like similarly you know a lot of what we're discussing is um hey pause it really quick okay and we're paused so anyways on the last episode like yeah automators mirror benny jesuit vice versa whatever so Lucilla is thinking in this moment, I'm I'm being monitored. Mm. And she she knows this, you know, so she's actually using the monitoring to her advantage. You know, she thinks if they see me trying to weaponize the Futar against them, they will see the traits of the honor mater possibility within me. That's something they would do, right? Like you try to kill your yes. captors. Yes. Now, I, I want to bring this up a little later, but I was thinking, too, that, like, in Heretics, Herbert kind of brings up this new idea within the Bene Gesserit of key logs. Yeah. We didn't, I don't even think we talked about it that much, but it's something that gets brought up a lot in Heretics. It's important. It has to do specifically with the Bene Gesserit. But now we get this new Bene Gesserit idea in Chapter House, and it's watchdogs. 
Yeah. Every fucking chapter with Odrade. I know. Has to do with there are sisters watching me do things. Yep. And every time they're in the no ship, the characters are constantly acknowledging the cameras. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of like is Herbert making some kind of a commentary on like the surveillance state before it it reaches this I mean, I don't know what it was like then. I don't know well, what the fear was like then. I think then, at that but... at this point, what in the early '80s, he could yeah. have definitely seen it coming. And I mean, well, that's obviously there had already been books written and movies made about the eventual outcome of that. So, yeah, I don't think he's at like the forefront of the discussion necessarily, but I, I think he's bringing it into his story yes. here. Interestingly yes. enough, yeah, and he, I, he chooses to yeah. use the Bene Gesserit as like the conduit for that. Yeah. And it's it's just funny because like we live so firmly in the surveillance age, you know, that like, it's not even a thought, you know, it's, it's, it's just an everyday reality. You know, it's, it's, uh, there are watchdogs. (laughs) There are literally, I do think it means something. It is funny because I think it means something different then. like, I think a watchdog, To someone in the 80s, you think of, like, the men in black almost, you yep. know? Like, yep. there's, like, an agency yeah, rather than, like, an omnipresent uh, thing. It, you know, it's funny because now it's not so much that there are watchdogs. It's kind of like you go to the dog park and you're like, yeah, you can watch me. You know, like, mm-hmm. every time you open yeah. your phone or, yeah, like, yeah. you're like, yeah. sure, whatever. Yep. Yeah, who cares? It's, it's it's just been so normalized, and yeah. uh, I mean, you can't really function in society without playing some part in it. Um, yeah. So this feels almost more like it's like Cold War watchdogs. A bit, it is you know, of very much so, kind of like espionage, spy yeah. sort of thing. It's not nearly as exciting as as they all thought it would be in the eighties. You know, yeah. there's no RoboCop. There's, it's just, it's <laughs> just, a, it's just uh, a, a bald billionaire listening to you, twenty four seven, gross through your phone, your portable phone. Well, how about we talk about the character's discussion of laws and democracy? Yes, and then we'll we'll try and go a little bit faster. I know we've been skirting around this for a while, but let's let's at least get to this point. Um, this is a uh, law and order. <laughs> yeah, well, house. Yeah, law, law and order. D- DC. Yeah, I'm trying to think. D- DCH to... student chapter house. I don't know. That works. That's fine. Dun dun. Sort of instead dun, of SVU. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. think of an acronym too, but no, I can't. Yeah. That could have maybe been our new theme song, but instead of Dun Dun, you say Dune Dune, right? Dune Dune. Oh, that's that's really yeah. good. That's really yeah. good. Damn. <laughs> if only we had another book to. Uh, I yeah, I know. That's really what the 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 lost seventh book will always make me think of. What would our theme song have been? I know. You know? And that that's the real tragedy. If it was called Law and Order of Dune, too. It'd be <laughs> yeah, yeah, law. Man, here's here's a a missed episode title, Law and Order S V Dune. Oh yes, ah, it's so good, so good. Yeah. 
Not better than, not quite better than D for Dune Data, but no, yeah, no, it's there's a clear victor, yeah. and I'm glad we have what we have, but it's just it's kind of like a what if, you know, it's yeah. just fun to throw out there. Yep. Um, on page one sixty five, and I just have one more like, um. I have one more thing to say before the discussion, not to belabor the point. Sure. But I think I think what's interesting to think about here too is that like even though I, I don't think Lucilla is trying to maneuver out of her death, I think she feels like pretty safe, to be honest, throughout this chapter. I mean, she's 17 days in. If anything, she she becomes a little overconfident, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I but I don't I don't think she's like considering her own death at this point. Now, the Bene Gesserit are kind of always walking this line between like telling the truth because like they know that if you give enough of the truth, people will believe you. Yeah. And also, like, withholding critical information mm-hmm. or certain points. Yep. And I only bring that up because I think I think it needs to be considered that what Lucilla is saying isn't exactly the transparent truth no. of what the Bene Gesserit believe. And I think by that point, kind of by extension by what Herbert believes. And that's even muddied through another lens because what the Bene Gesserit believe isn't what Herbert believes. We've known that Herbert has been critical of the Bene Gesserit institution in the past. Yep. Yep. But I think because they've been brought further onto the stage of like main characterism that he's more willing to like transplant his own thoughts into them. Mm. And so there's kind of this give and take between like how much of what the Bene Gesserit do and believe is Herbert, because there is some of that. And how much do the Bene Gesserit do and believe is separate or in a, space to critique yeah yep i mean and and i only say that using their you know their these these thoughts as as a weaponization of some sort right 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 yeah right yes yeah yeah i only say that because i i don't want to get it misconstrued where it's like bene Gesserit good honored maters bad because it's not that clear cut no definitely not um, I do think that Herbert has found uh, easier to use them as their mouthpiece since the they kind of shifted their um, their attitudes a little bit between God Emperor heretics and and now Chapter House. I think morally they line up with the real Herbert more so. They not it's it's definitely not a hundred percent. It's not even you know. 75 percent maybe but um but i i I think that has made it 
easier to use them as 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 a as a mouthpiece. I agree. Not only post God Emperor, but also Odrade as Mother Superior. Ab- absolutely, definitely, definitely. Having the the Mother Rebel, yes, I think allows Herbert to inject some of his personality more yeah. readily into them. For sure, for sure. So, that all being said, let me read some lines to you, and we'll we'll try and break it down. Yes. Page 165. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to start, I'm going to say Dama for this. We know who we're talking about when I say Dama. Dama, yeah. Spider Queen, yeah. boom. Dama says, people always have government. This is the opposition's point. People always have government. You can't have a collection of people without government. This is a very interesting thought for Herbert to decide to engage in. Because as you said, the natural opposition to this is anarchy. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not what Lucilla is arguing for. No, here. no, definitely not. She seems to. And I think by extension, Herbert, but I mean, like, there's some weird. Again, you know what? I don't need to belabor it. We talked about it. I don't need to get back into it. But Lucilla says, no, 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 no. Um,. So it's not so much that, like, we're a government government, and it's not so much that we have laws laws. We have regulations. Yeah. And and because of our other memories, we have knowledge of, you know, of course, all governments, but the many incarnations of democracy throughout history and we understand the pitfalls we and this is where this kind of brings in the watchdog thing we have created like a super democracy where if you imagine all the citizens of your democracy had the memories of like all other democracies inside of them and instead of checks and balances you had people who were like constantly scrutinizing your every motive, you could make some sort of like super democracy. Yeah. It's like a democracy without having to call itself a democracy. You know, like it's, it's like a, it's like a natural state for them. Yeah. And I mean, like to be fair, the Bene Gesserit, don't have a system of government the way that we recognize it in our democracy. No. They didn't even have, as far as we are aware within the text, they didn't even have the role of Mother Superior until Heretics. Mm -hmm. Yep. There was no such thing. Or no thing was ever named with our knowledge. Yep. Um... So there were certainly like different ranks of like 
power within the Bene Gesserit. Moheim was kind of like the bad bitch in charge, but she like was. she wasn't like the leader of the Bene Gesserit. She was just like the bad bitch. You know? Yeah, she was like the old reverend, like the very old reverend mother that people hold right. in high esteem, but nothing yeah. official. Yeah. She has she has power tangentially to the Emperor, of course, yeah. but like her role in the Bene Gesserit is like nebulous mm. at best. Um it's become a lot more clear cut. There's like a president Bene Gesserit. That's the Mother Superior. Yeah. Um, we're getting more about the Watchdogs. That's a little bit checks and balances. Mm-hmm. And then the Proctors, which have been name dropped, are like kind of given this very clear role where it's like, well, they're kind of like a jury for everything. Yeah. Instead of like having jury duty, you just have like a group of Proctors and they can like meet and agree or disagree on any matter ever. And it's like, oh. Okay. Do you know what's funny though is, um, I think I mentioned this to you a, a lot. Maybe it was after we finished reading the first Dune. Yeah. But um, I read an interview with Frank Herbert, and he was talking about politics and his his ideal, you know, form of govern government. And he's he was talking about all the issues he has with current day, you know, government and power and all that. And and he said that it should be like jury duty where random citizens get picked uh, and then they can be in a position of power for one year and then that's it. Yeah. And, and so that kind of, reminds me a little bit of that. But that that's that's that was his idea that, that you 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 pick random citizens for, you know, to kind of be in charge of these big decisions temporarily um, and. So I, I, I mean, he's he's pretty consistent, you know. Yeah. Um, interesting ideas. Yeah, I mean, at least there's that. I, if there's one thing that that comes across in this chapter and this discussion, and it's you know not a surprise because it's something that Herbert has engaged with since the first Dune book, but you know Herbert is definitely skeptical and critical of contemporary politics. Yep. He does not believe that our current system of government and distribution of power, meaning the United States circa 1960 to 1980, whatever. Yep. This is not the pinnacle of government advancement in society like there is real work to be done there is real change to be made i think if anything that's another thing that keeps us reading it's like okay i agree with that yeah herbert agrees with that so it's like what needs to be changed about the government how do we change it you know that's where we're probably going to come to like schisms in our thought and that's okay because just like you're saying like it's it's interesting because i think herbert at least like demonstrates and argues his points whether or not you agree with them exactly he's he's not just ranting into the void he has reasons to believe the things that he believes that's what makes writing yeah or or reading his writing compelling Mm -hmm. um and so like on that on that point He's not saying so much that, like, <clears throat> he, 
He's not saying that democracy itself is a bad idea, but that the way we try to ensure the execution of democracy is flawed, you know, because as long as there is a power structure, as long as there is a hierarchy where people in power are above someone else and so on and so forth. Yep. I, and I think he, I'm not sure what the line is, but I think he says it pretty flat out that, um, as long as there are people in power above others, you know, like people will do things outside of like the ideal structure of government to maintain their power. And of course that's yeah. where like the democracy falls apart. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's even stated, you know, I like, um, as long as there are people being oppressed in, in some way, then they will revolt. And right. Yeah. Yeah. The, oppress the oppressors and then so on and so forth. And it's a, right. It's a vicious cycle. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of theorized. That might be, the origin, the Bene or uh, the honored mater origin has been kind of a mystery, and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe they're speakers, maybe they're this. Some point in these five chapters, it's talked about that the honored maters themselves may have been oppressed and enslaved, and yes. that um, yes. that they don't like understand the vicious cycle of like when slaves become masters, they don't think of making a better government. They think of enslaving their oppressors. Exactly. Exactly. And yep. it repeats yep. the cycle. Yep. And, um, I mean, I think it's, it has been theorized. It's almost confirmed when, um, Lucilla kind of tricks, um, Doma into, you know, revealing that they were rebels who did <coughs> right, overtake yes. a group. Um, when she calls them terrorists and they're like, no, we're not terrorists. We are just rebels. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and then also we do get some backstory about, um, Marbella's history <coughs> lessons in, with, within the honor mater ranks as well. So, yeah, it, it makes me realize that the honored mater history is so much deeper than I would have, first thought like it feels like as you're reading you know like you finish god emperor you haven't heard a single word about honor maters heretics opens up it's like oh they're coming from like the edge of space like this is now a problem but it turns out <clears throat> you know in the intervening 1500 years or whatever and maybe even deeper than that a little um since the end of god emperor like the honor mater history has i guess i just mean in effect it's it's also another direct consequence of god emperor but in a state of conflict you know like we we've talked about the way that like humanity has grown or changed since the end of god emperor the way that it does or doesn't lead into like leto's golden path right um, but I, I guess I just mean like it, it, 
it feels like from the point of view of the protagonists, in this case being the Bene Gesserit, you wouldn't necessarily expect the Honored Maiders. But I think the problem comes from this feeling that the Bene Gesserit are protagonists in Leto's view of the universe where all people, all of humanity is a total aggregate, yeah. a, a complete organism. There are no protagonists or antagonists. Mm-hmm. It's simply a collective. Yep. So to have one or two or several or an infinite amount of groups that are in conflict with one another aren't really important. You know, Leto may have foreseen the creation of the honor maters. He may not have, it doesn't matter. The fact is like he created the, you know, the soil for this conflict to grow without really, you know, it's not so much not knowing about, but it's like not caring about. The no, conflict. I mean the, the, the point was for it to grow, not what yeah. it was, not what it would grow into, you know? Right. Yeah. The point was that it would grow and it wouldn't stop growing. I guess all I mean is like, and again, I'm I'm really only speaking for myself here, but when I started God Emperor, or I'm sorry, when I started Heretics, it's like, boom, honor maters begin. And then you keep reading Heretics. At the end of Heretics, you find out they've been on Gamu for 100 years. Yeah. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, the honor maters have existed for like at least 100 years, at least a century, you know? But this book is saying, no, you idiot meaning me, they've existed since the end of God Emperor. You're only picking it up one book slash 1,500 years later. This is what you haven't recognized as happening at the edge of space. You're only being caught up on it now. Yeah. But it evolved simultaneously yeah, without I mean, your knowledge. The The idea is that, you know, it, it was developed... Um, you know, once the scattering happened, right? So it, it, their origins lie in the very beginning of the scattering, and it it wasn't until the last hundred or so <coughs> years that they made their way back. Yeah. Yes. Right. Which I mean, like, it's not that that's not clear. Like that's always how it's set up. You know, it they they didn't come from nowhere. They're coming back. Like yeah. that's always the threat. But. I, I guess in my mind, I didn't really understand how far back their history went. But their history extends, uh, you know, from the origin point of so many other people's histories. I mean, to, to think of 1,500 years in the scope of Dune doesn't even feel like that much anymore, mm. honestly. But, like, I think about it in comparison to 1,500 years of human history. Yeah. Like, from 2021 to 521. Like, that's, like, an infinite amount of time Uh, to consider. Yep, yep. And that's what we're talking about Mm -hmm. when we're thinking about, like, where where do the Honor Maters begin and end? Yeah. Um, All I mean to say is that I hadn't considered it that way until this point in Chapter S. Gotcha, yep. Um, so I appreciated that it was laid out for me like that. Um, but yeah, this whole discussion of politics, you know, it, it also discusses that the Honor Maters, like, yes, they started as a rebellion, 
which could also be lab- labeled as terrorism. Yep. I mean, how fucking... I, Relevant? Connor, today? Yeah. Today, yeah. it's 9-11, by the I way. Know. We haven't said I that know. at the You're time right. of this yeah, recording. That's, that's a good point. It's fucking September 11th. Yes, today is, is ni- I mean, the 20th 9/11, anniversary. 9-11, 2021, the 20th anniversary, yeah, of 9-fucking-11. That right feels now. like forever. 20 years feels like forever. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's it. It, it is, is very saying, relevant. Is there, a, is there a difference between rebels and terrorism? Yep, that's exactly what he's saying. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we we've seen that uh, pretty much firsthand in 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 how they label these people who who do um, bad things and the reasons why they label them terrorists or why they label them misunderstood or rebels or whatever. Um, oftentimes it's not because of what they do. It's because of how they look or who they are. Uh, yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very relevant today. I mean, just within the, just, just, yeah, within the, the, the events of the last 20 years, um, especially, I mean, it's it, It's crazy to think about. Yeah. I think within the, Within the scope of, like, Herbert's discussion on, like, democracy and, and like, modern-day power structures, like, um, I, I don't think he gets this far, but I do think all the pieces are there to, like, consider, too, like, the, the big thing about the discussion of terrorism today because of course when we talk about terrorism in america we're only ever referring to like insurgent groups in the middle east yes exactly Um, that what's so often not lost because that's too innocent of a word uh but but hidden is the understanding that these terrorist groups so labeled by us um have have their origins their connection points tied to our democracy it's yeah. our very yeah. democracy that created the terrorist groups yes. that have then formed to fight us yes right? exactly yep that's yeah and and and, and i mean that that even goes goes in and with uh you know has been a jesuit used to kind of um document their history right and how it's yeah not yeah, always yeah accurate or they they and that's a i mean that's what we're doing literally is is you know we are um causing the conditions that lead to these groups being formed and then running around like how could they do this why, <laughs> why is this happening you know right and using that to build you know patriotic fervor and um you know pretty much build up approval for for them to go out and you know plunder uh other lands for all they're worth so it's it's uh yeah i mean there it that's a definite strategy that i think herbert was definitely aware of and and wary of because it's it's not like it just started happening you know right. 
um, within our lifetimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's funny, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be like a, you know, fucking political expert on this yeah. shit. or, But I mean, like, I think a lot of what's happening today in 2021 in terms of the destabilization of the Middle East does stem directly from the 80s because that has to do yeah. with like the Russian occupation yes, in the Middle yes. East too mm. and then America's involvement in that. Like, yep, absolutely. Like, because, you know, we back Saddam Hussein, you yep. know, we, we prop up these despots into these positions of power in order to gain like narrow, short-term control and yeah. power in, in, in these areas where these resources that power our entire empire, yep. uh, you know, essentially originate from or, or where these, there's these vast wellsprings of. Yep. Um, and yet, of course, we then create the very conditions that, again, come back to haunt us for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later. Exactly. Precisely. Um, I think you're right that the pieces of that critique are there that herbert is aware of those pieces and how they could conceivably connect together um i just don't think he i don't think he brings it together in in such a scathing um observation here you know i i think it's more it's interesting the way that herbert like doles out his criticisms throughout dune um in that, uh, I, I guess they just like, <sighs> I guess all I mean is that, um, I, I don't feel like this ends in necessarily like a singular point where it's like, aha, no, all of these pieces are building into this one thing. And it's like, oh, this is the problem. It's more like Herbert points out a bunch of problems, and then he's like, "Yeah, what, what about, do you think that? about yeah. that? Exactly. What yeah. about that? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, he's like, what I, I think, it? and I'm I, like, I, I don't know Herbert. I know. What about I know. It? What do you think? Like, I literally think that's all he ever does. Yeah, you know, like, like sometimes he'll he'll obviously have very strong opinions, but never does he really offer the solution. Um. And I don't think he's interested in doing that for readers, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's always just bringing up these concepts and letting us parse them out. Right. Um, but also a, a big part of it, I, I think you're right is, is, uh, just that, you know, we, if, if his writings here were like a warning, you know, like we're living through the consequences of, of not following, of not heeding that warning, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways. And lastly, I say lastly, and we have two more chapters to discuss, but, <laughs> not, and, and I don't, I really, as much as I do enjoy Herbert, I also don't want to give him too much credit. But yeah. Yeah. the way that we're having this conversation where it's like, oh, Herbert's not giving us answers. He's simply pointing out flaws and giving us the information that these things are flawed in and of themselves, right? Yeah. 
to me, that sounds like his distillation of the golden path. Yep. It's not to give people answers. It's to give people the questions that they should be grappling totally. with. Totally. Yeah. And absolutely. then all of humanity as this horrible, beautiful mess, just fucking throw it against the fucking wall and whatever fucking sticks. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Yeah. Herbert yeah. doesn't know what's going to stick. He doesn't know what the answer is. He's like, well, this is what's wrong. I can tell you what's wrong. Yep. It's not up to me personally, as it should not be up to any one singular person ever mm-hmm. to figure out the solutions to these problems. Yeah. But if there's one thing I, Franklin Delano Herbert, <laughs> can do, it's tell you that there are things that we need to fix that we need to solve and these are the problems i can help you identify them but now it's your job collective humanity to do something about it yes and again when i say i don't want to give herbert too much credit what i mean is i do kind of feel and this might be more of a modern take than like a 60s to 80s take But I do kind of feel that there is a kind of responsibility that if you're going to address these problems, that that there needs to be some kind of articulation on how how they could be addressed, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it wouldn't be enough if a politician, and I don't mean to put the same pressure on an author... But I'm going to make the comparison anyways. Sure. But it, but you would not accept if a politician took the stage on national television to address the nation. And he's like, there are some very real problems in our criminal justice system. Like, we really need to fix, like, these structural problems in the prison industrial complex. And you'd be like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And then he's just like, but I don't. I mean, what do you think? You'd be like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about, you fucking idiot? You can't yeah. just do that. Yep. Again, I recognize rationally Herbert's not that politician coming on a national television. But I think that if you're going to grapple with these problems, that there there is some kind of responsibility to address them. And I think that he deflects that responsibility very often it may be on me to believe that there's a responsibility to address them because i think that it's worthwhile for him to address them nonetheless that's that's kind of what we're circling around too yeah i'm not even trying to shit on him necessarily but it feels like he brings up these things that i agree are very real and i just wish he would take it one step further because sometimes it feels like if you bring something into your text, let's say like the white savior trope that we were talking about, that it's so easy for Herbert to bring these things into his writing. If he doesn't take a clear or critical stance one way or the other on these issues, sometimes it could be dangerous to engage with them. Because if you choose to bring them in, if you, if you choose to allow them to be a part of your story, but you don't take one side or the other in a way that's clear to your audience, 
it can leave room for it to be misconstrued, right? Yeah. And I think that for better or for worse, that's a problem that Herbert is facing decades after his death. Right now. Right now in 20-fucking-21 with the white savior trope again. And I think similarly, you could bring that lens over to the way that he addresses these problems in our government, which are very real. But if he doesn't make a definitive statement one way or the other, it feels like it, it feels like it leaves room for bad faith interpretations because a, someone else could read this book and be like, you know what? Maybe Herbert was thinking he was more on the honor mater side. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And I, I, I get that that's me stretching it. I get that that's me stretching it, but I think that's where I'm landing here with this. What do you think about that? Do you see what I'm saying? I do. do you see what yeah, I mean? no, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and yeah, it's 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 tough. I I think in the current climate, um, this kind of responsibility does fall hard on you know artists and people with big platforms, right? You know. Um, I think it's, it's probably not healthy as a society to think we need that though, you know, um, we shouldn't expect that from writers or poets or directors or, um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't think Herbert would want that either, you know. Um, I I mean, for for what it's worth, I think he does offer solutions, but he doesn't offer he doesn't offer a solution. There's there's plenty of ideas that these different that the the Bene Gesserit put forth, that Leto puts forth, um, there and you know that Paul puts forth like there's 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 plenty of ideas in there where you can spring off and think of maybe a good way to govern a body of people or or you know lead or what have you um i i think it's a it's i think it is a misinterpretation um to yeah i, I mean to 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 or it's 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 a mistake to come into this book looking for uh, the answers, you know, um, yeah, that's a, that's a loaded question though. I, it is. I love your answer though, because I think that's exactly it. I think, I think where I'm coming from is a very modern perspective on like what general expectations are from our art yeah and not to say that that's good or bad either but i think herbert's response would precisely be why are you coming to an artist for your solutions on like the structure of society yeah 
Yeah. And it's not that you can't find value or guidance within art, but but I do think for what it's worth, his response would very likely be it's it's also a fault on the part of the audience to think that you will find your viewpoints reflected perfectly back at you, yeah. nor should you, mm-hmm. um, within the within someone else's text. Because if humanity is like the golden path, and sure enough, I, I think it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, then is the lesson not that you will never find a mirror of yourself within another? Mm-hmm. Only you exist as yourself. If yeah. if you go to something else to try and find something that will line up with all of your opinions, you've you've already set out on the wrong path. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's an, an understanding that humanity is kind of just a shitty tapestry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think definitely, and and then uh, you know, I, I think of a, a lot of the um, kind of thoughts about not putting people on on pedestals and yeah right um, idolatry yeah that's huge yeah i mean and like really like obviously it, it was a big thing in the 60s and 80s but it's like it's gotten a lot worse like yeah you know like there's super super unhealthy parasocial relationships with you know um anybody with a big platform these days um and they're just held to a standard that is like absolutely unsustainable and uh completely uh yeah so i think that's something we do have to work out as as a collective here you know yeah we and I think that's that's definitely one of the things he he warned about that that has just gotten worse. That I think that's a completely fair assessment because I, I think it's easy for us to be like, well, you know, isn't it isn't it irresponsible for you know Joe Rogan to indirectly encourage and approve of people to take horse paste yeah and i think frank herbert would be like well why are you taking horse paste because you listen to joe rogan because a uh, yeah because a radio show host told you to yeah it's like that's also you'd be like well that's a great question yes yeah and for what it's worth i do i do think that frank herbert addresses the points that lead us to those conclusions whether or not yeah. he has a conclusion to draw on i do think he leads you to those points oh yeah i do I, think yeah. that's the value largely yeah. in reading dune and i think this was a good discussion to showcase that because totally yeah that I, helped I me with that too absolutely true yeah I, it's 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 not so much that he he asks a bunch of questions and is like oh i don't know what do you guys think <laughs> like i mean he kind of does do that but he does but, sometimes yeah he does sometimes but a lot of times it's he's kind of working through it with you and and he does offer ideas yeah man ideas not not I, nothing wrong or right but herbert was the original dune dude you know he was very much so when you open your heart to the church of the planet of dune dudes i mm-hmm. mean I, I think in a way we're all coming back 
to Herbert's heart, you know? Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and um you know, that's that's a heart that does not have have worms. Does not need dewormer. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you kept the worms in his, in his stories yeah yeah oh god all right um i think we've spent enough time on the politics of chapter yeah. three we i know for a any fact specifics but we didn't like, even talk about the difference between laws and regulations connor holy shit I know. it's it's just we we you know i think we summed it up Ab- no, no, in an abstract way. I, I, I feel like we kind of herberted it. We did you know, herbert like it. We didn't. We may not have called attention to the exact specifics of the text, but I think we were able to distill the larger ideas yeah. into something that will at least cause you to think about it in a different light. Right? Agreed. Agreed. That's all. I get it. Yeah. I get it now. My eyes are open. <laughs> um. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, I, I promise. Let's just breeze through these. No, I don't even give a it. shit. Let's go for it. I don't it. even give a shit at this point, Connor. Do nope. you know how much of it? You don't even know what I'm drinking. Chi cheese. Hmm. Like from Dragon Ball Z. Oh yeah. Okay. That was Vegeta's wife. That's um, Bulma. That's Bulma. Yeah. Thank you. Chi- wow. Right Chi- on. Chi is uh. That's that was young Goku's crush. Yes, but yeah. also later Goku's his wife. wife. Okay, yes. it, it was his wife. Okay. I mean, that's Goten doesn't come out of nowhere. That's a good point. You're right. Comes out of Chi Chi's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> that is where he comes from. What? What would have the the Saiyan breeding program look? Oh like? God! <laughs> right? Yeah. I let's I, not. I even... want that Dragon Ball Dune crossover. Yeah. The thing is, I I feel like. Theoretically, you. What's funny is if Herbert leaves the scattering vague enough, yeah, you could kind of surmise <laughs> that any sci-fi could uh-huh. be lurking at the the very yep. periphery of the scattering. Yep, I like I, I like that idea. I like it a lot. You know like why? Why could Saiyan power not just be an extreme extension of Bene Gesserit Prana Bindu musculature abilities that totally. they haven't unlocked yet? Totally. Yeah, that's the far future. Right. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z could be 500,000 years in the future. Exactly, yep. Yep. And and you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to tweet this, so fucking look out. (laughs) But there's a real similarity to the way that Dragon Ball Z envisions like its capsules and spaceships Mm -hmm. and the way that specifically Denis Villeneuve's Dune... Does the spaceships. Those are like... I'm going to post those two images side by side, and I'm going to get at least seven likes, so you watch out. I'm sure you will. Also, you know, Super Saiyanism. Yeah. Okay, or Saiyanism. Yeah. Is that not just an evolution of whatever the fuck Teg does at the end of Heretics? Dude. You know? Dude! It could just be... These could just be far future Atreides... Uh, with their with with these you, abilities, oh my God, Connor! Yes, all Saiyans carry the Atreides bloodline. I in think them. so. That's that's yep. what differentiates a Saiyan between a normal human being. They have Atreides yep. blood. I think we nailed it. That's exactly it. Because mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, like these people, 
you know, are 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 fighting faster than you can perceive with the yeah. naked eye. I mean, yeah. that's that mm-hmm. is Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. It is. Yep that that's it's um tag is maybe the first the first saying. I mean, I'm not going to make a definitive statement one way or the other, <laughs> but I but I can say there is very real evidence within mm-hmm. the text you could point to where you can make that argument it's, one it's way or the true. other. It's one yeah. way you can do one yeah, way or the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very truly possibly. It is. Saying. It's quite possible, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Chapter fucking four. This is Odrade again, and she's thinking about a million fucking things again. There is one thing I want to draw attention to. Okay. I had a question I want to ask you, Connor, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to point to things in the text to ask it to you, Mm -hmm. so give me a fucking second. Go for it. On page 174, it's the second page of this chapter... Um, while Odrade is looking out at, like, the, I don't know, farmers and shit working in the fields, they're, like, blinking out lights and stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's the line. A variation on the old question about a tree falling in the forest. Was there sound if no one heard? Odrade voted on the side of those who said vibrations existed no matter whether a sensor recorded them. We all know that fucking saying. Yeah. If a tree falls in the forest, doesn't make a sound. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And sure enough, Herbert comments on it via Odrade. Yeah. Whether or not there is a listener to record the sounds, would the vibrations not occur? That makes sense. Can you imagine a tree falling in complete muteness just because no one's around? Mm-hmm. No. I, I Personally, I don't believe so. I agree with Odrade. Yeah. That's part one, motherfucker. Here's mm. part two. So hold on to your fucking pants or whatever. You ready? Yeah. Hold on to my pants and jacket. Now, Herbert does introduce things to plant them into your mind, Benny Gesserit style, for you to recall them. And on the very next page, he ends it thusly. Bottom of 175. Odrade thinks to myself, herself, and I dare not use even my small prescience to guide us. I could lock our future into unchanging form. Muad'Dib and his tyrant son did that, and the tyrant spent 3,500 years extricating us. Yep. We talked about this, too. Odrade is intentionally not viewing the reoccurring prescient vision because she believes if she does, she will vision lock herself. Exactly. And so I have a question to ask you, Connor. Mm keep these two pieces of information within your mind. Mm. If a prescient vision is unseen, does it still affect the present? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, based on Odrade's own logic, it does. 
Exactly. Right? But interestingly enough, she believes, in the case of prescience, yeah. separate from trees, yep. it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's really, that's an interesting um, analogy. That's a, that's a, you know, you, you got to think, in this instance, she's wrong. I, interestingly enough, I think so. I can't, I think Herbert putting these things back to back is incredibly clever because I think it encourages the asking of this question. Yeah. Without the text ever focusing in on it, he doesn't return to it. No. He just leaves the two pieces side by side and moves on. And I have to believe that those two pieces of information are laid side by side intentionally. I think they um, probably are, yeah. And so it, it, it is even more interesting that Odrade believes the opposite in the case of prescience. Yeah. She will not look at the vision, mm-hmm. lest she fucking lock herself. But if the tree analogy is to be believed, whether she looks or not, the effect on the present of the vision will come to fruition yeah. anyways. Mm-hmm. I guess... I the more you say it that's that's absolutely what what Herbert was going for there it's 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 too yeah it's 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 too great of a uh of of a comparison point you know yeah I mean I I think it's there I mean the real question even further separated which is so fucking stupid but the real question is is that how prescience really works Mm. Or is Herbert, Herb, Herbert, (laughs) or is Herbert even further misleading you by trying to get you to think that time and trees can be compared in the same way? You could also just as easily argue that a tree falling and creating vibrations and the not yet created vibrations of a future event don't reverberate out into the past. They are yep. could be two conceivably separate things, you know? A tree and time can be different. So maybe Odrade's right and vision locks are real and not looking at it and not creating the vision lock can create a different future. It's possible. I think it the is. most genius thing Herbert does, and holy shit, I can't believe I'm about to say this, Connor, because it's in direct opposition to what I've been saying which I guess all kind of circles back to being like, well, I guess Herbert's a genius and that's why I keep reading his books. Yeah. But the smartest thing that Herbert does here is not give an answer, Mm -hmm. right? Yep, I couldn't agree more. Because if he told you one way or the other, there's no discussion to be had. It doesn't matter anymore. And yet all he really does is give you more reason to engage with the text in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. He doesn't answer anything for you. He just layers things one on top of the other. Yeah. And you're like, well, if this is so, then this must be so. But Mm -hmm. if this isn't so, then could this be so? And like, you're always grappling with the text in ways that like, it, it doesn't feel like he's omitting things where you're like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I'm not confused. I'm not confused. Yeah. It's just that there aren't clear answers. And that is, in this case, dealing with 
the fictional universe of prescient vision and time. Yep. And not the hard and fast rules of politics. I I I do think that leaving things vague and unanswered is the best way to go. And he does this very well in this case. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly not always the way to go, but um more times than not with what he is writing about and the stories he tells that it it, it is it's the most satisfactory way to leave things on. And I mean just just going back to the tree metaphor though too, it's like Yeah. When when you think about uh, the rings of a tree, it's like and and the comparing it to time and prescience, it's like it's just it's kind of a mind fuck, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally, right. If you if you were to think about the way that time Actually, it's a really great analogy. Usually when you think of linear time, you think of it as a straight line that continues as a arrow from left to right into infinity. Yeah. But conceivably, why couldn't linear time be circles ever expanding out yeah. from one another and closing the other and growing on yeah. and on and, and on. that's that's kind of i i don't know if, if you remember but i think we talked about um like the spiral idea of, of like yes yeah we and did storytelling yeah. and like how it's you know it's cyclical and things repeat but they're not ever the same when you go around yes. you yes. see them from different vantage points you learn different God things damn it. um yeah, it it, and it 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 almost feels like a like a law of nature, you know. It's like it, or a regulation of or nature. Or a regulation of nature. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a really interesting thing to just think about um, how it all relates. I I mean, not to sound like a broken record or an infinite spiral circling back in on itself ad nauseum. But I mean, if there is one thing that Herbert does, it's that. Yeah, it is that. I mean, if, if there's only one thing to distill from what has so far been like, what a two and a half hour conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that regardless of what you think, Herbert will get you to think more. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, again, it's beside the point. Besides the point, what you think? It's that. It's that. It's that you are thinking. You know. Yeah. And yeah, it's what Lido is doing. That's 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 Herbert's golden path. You know. Yeah. He does kind of have his own agenda, doesn't he? He does. He definitely does. Yeah. He wants to inspire his readers to to think for themselves and think and and come up with uh, ideas and concepts of their own. I guess. Um, yeah. So it's meta in that way, right? I yeah, no. It it uh, the more and more I think about it, um, the more meta it becomes. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um. Anyway, yes. So so um, I am speaking of thinking about things. I am thinking about time. In, in terms of the time that we have, too. I'm cognizant of that. I know you got shit going on. Um, but I, I'm i going to say this last line and then segue into Chapter 5. You ready? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So chapter four ends. Odrade. Um. She she leaves uh her whatever central the keep whatever yeah uh it seems on the surface to be like she's just going to the orchards whatever mm. but odrade makes it very clear in her internal thoughts she's really going to the desert for her regional manager check-in yes 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 she's going to shiana mm-hmm. but she's thinking more and more about the honor maters the final line of this chapter is as follows but I have seen through to the heart of our enemy this night, and I pity them. Here's the motherfucking segue. Chapter 5. This is another page-to-page, like, Herbert's like, here's one thing, here's the other. Fucking read it, motherfucker. Ch- chapter 5, first page going into the next page. This is at the very bottom of it. This is uh, Duncan thinking to himself while instructing young Tag. Yep. The Bashar had been so insightful, teaching about sympathies on that long-ago day in the Gamo Keep. Sympathy for the enemy, a weakness of police and armies alike. Most perilous are the unconscious sympathies directing you to preserve your enemy intact, because the enemy is your justification for existence. Um, so Herbert shows us that Odrade pities the Honor Maters and also shows us that Miles Tegg believes that sympathy for the enemy is a kind of weakness. Yep. Um, I'm not going to dive into specifically a weakness of police and armies because at first I was like, what's going on there? But actually, I think it's pretty simple he doesn't mean a weakness as in like, oh man, I feel bad for the police and armies. He no. means literally the police and armies need to dehumanize their enemies. Yes. It's a weakness yep. in that the yep. only justification for a standing police or army is the dehumanization of of their enemies. Yes. Meaning, i.e. other people, other human beings. This is actually... A pretty clear critique, mm-hmm. if you think about it for two seconds. So I liked this one. Um, but thinking about it in that way, is Odrade making a vague mistake of thinking like, oh, well, are the Honored Maiders just like us? Or is she making a... I don't know. Well, she thinks of them as cows. <laughs> she literally, well, she she sees the cows. They're eating she the grass. Does. She does see the she cows. She sees the honored maters. They're they're wreaking havoc, being awful bitches, you know, and Right, and, right, 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 you, right. You know, it's like they don't quite like the cows don't question like, "Oh, um why do I have to to eat grass?" you know? It's like that's just what they do. They're supposed yes. to do that. And Similarly, the honored maters are supposed to do what they do. That's just what they do. Exactly. The honored maters are not going to question why am I trying to like subjugate and power fuck all yeah. life in the universe. Yes. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Odrade, I think, is in this moment kind of entertaining this idea that like 
what are the forces that control the honored maiders? Like, if the honored maiders are cows, who are the Bene Gesserit to the cows mm, via yeah. the honored maiders? Or, yeah. or is there such a force that controls them in such a way? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it it's not entirely the same but it does feel it does feel like a little bit of a of a dehumanization there too and so that um it's yet to be seen if odrade is on the right track i think um it is i think in like more standard story forms of course we would be thinking odrade is kind of like our main point of view character she's probably the one on the path I should be paying the most attention to, probably the one of like the correct morality. Yeah. Big quotes around it mm-hmm. for the narrative. But we also know that that very well may not be the case. Yeah. That's, that doesn't stand up to scrutiny in most <clears throat> books. Um, so that all being said, chapter five is about Duncan instructing young tag in how the, the tables have turned. The tables have so turned, mm. dude. The tables are completely fucking reversed. Flipped, on, flipped upside down. I mean, just like how Odrade was, you know, suddenly raising Teg as yeah. her son while she's his daughter. Duncan is now like the commander of Teg, where that relationship was flipped just one book ago, too. Um, these are like the incredibly fascinating consequences of the Gola idea in the Dune universe that I think makes it work because it's never just reviving a character. I don't know where this example is coming from, but like Dragon Ball Z style where you just get a whole bunch of fucking magical MacGuffins together and then fucking revive the exact same person in the exact same body like they never died yeah this is bringing back a version of this character who is really dead and that young version of the same character is aware that their past version is dead and they are them Mm mm-hmm and the characters who were subservient to this younger character are now in positions of power over them. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? All of those questions are insane, Connor. Yep, absolutely. absolutely fucking uh-huh. bonkers questions mm-hmm. to try and address in any book. And Herbert's like, well, that's just what my book is. Yeah. And it's I like, know. what the fuck? Yeah. 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 It's, it's hard to wrap your head around. It really is. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. And what what I think about too is is in this in this chapter though, this might be moving ahead a little bit, but it's all right, we're on the last chapter, Duncan so you can't does, move ahead that much. Duncan does mention that um like they something like how he won't remember his death. Yes. Right? Yes. Because there, he's there's not a complication. Exactly, he's because not exactly he wasn't making a from the dead cells. It's not the dead yes. cells. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is the reasoning 
for the distinction between him being a Gola or being a clone. Yes. He may not remember his own death because he's not made from the death cells. Yeah. He's scraped from cells that were from the living version of Tig before he died. Yeah. Yeah. So the cells would have no genetic memory of his death because they were from beforehand. Mm-hmm. This makes a lot of weird liberties between like I mean, it's it's like a very strange like cellular mysticism that that yeah. that Herbert keeps injecting mm-hmm. into his stories. Where it's like, well, you know, not not only do your cells carry, like, your DNA, but, like, your experiences are embedded within your genetic material, you know? Yeah. If I were to take your DNA today or your DNA from a year from now, within the regards of the gola that it would make, they're different. Yeah. The way that we understand, like, cellular knowledge uh, at this point in our society it's generally accepted that that's kind of dumb that doesn't make any sense yeah but one it doesn't matter because that's just like one of the things you have to accept in herbert's weird sci-fi universe and two it's one of those things too that herbert would argue it's like well kind of like prescience it's a hubris to think you understand all the way that these things work absolutely yeah i mean we're we're you know, millennia of, of science research in the future, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to throw that out there, but it adds a, it adds an interesting element to the new miles tag and what yes. the awakening will look like or if it, if it will even work. Um, and I, I mean, we see that Duncan has some, ideas about how he wants to do things differently yes yeah 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 the uh the last line of this chapter um Rebella realizes that duncan is going through the gola awakening process different from the way it's like laid out in the fucking Bene Gesserit pamphlet yes, or some stupid yeah. shit mm-hmm. and Duncan says I have to talk to Shiana there has got to be a better way yeah that's a great line uh, for several reasons one of course it's like very admirable to see that that as far as anyone knows, there's only like one way to fucking reawaken a Gola. Mm-hmm. And Duncan motherfucking Idaho, the man perpetually uh, revived yep. into infinity. Mm-hmm. Of course it's him. Of course it's of him. Of course it's what he does. Yeah. He's like, you know what? It just because no one else has figured out any other way to do it doesn't mean there's only one way. Yeah. It just means there's only been one way that anyone's bothered to figure out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if there is one shining characteristic of Duncan out of some of the more problematic ones, I think I, I think the way that his brain works as like a more classical hero is this idea that even if everyone in the entire universe thinks one way, just because you think another doesn't mean you're wrong. Yeah. You know, that's that's what differentiates 
and like makes his makes his mind and makes his revival you know important mm-hmm. you know it's it he's not just brought back for no reason like i think his more uh older way of thinking is exactly what brings him to this point of realizing like yeah i can restore takes memories if i like inflict him with lifelong trauma but like why wouldn't i try to avoid the trauma yeah because yeah because duncan himself has been traumatized exactly for so yeah. many lifetimes yeah yeah and i mean that's yeah that's super true but also i think it, it is inherently trauma aside gola aside like it's inherently in duncan's character to like not only do right by the Atreides, but like to find another way to do things to like, you know, pull it off against all odds. Like, I feel like that is just, that's like part of his DNA, you know? Um, so, I mean, and that played a big part, obviously in God Emperor, with him trying to find his freedom. Um, yeah, it's just, he, he goes against the crowd. Exactly. He is not afraid to do things his own way for better or for worse. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes I think it's been for worse. For thousands of years, it was for worse. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in this case, it's it's cool to see him say no. Um, And also, the way that we do these five chapter chunks, the very previous chapter... Chapter four, Odrade's like, I gotta go to Shiana. Mm-hmm. Duncan's like, Yep, I gotta go to Shiana. <laughs> I, know. I know. And it just feels like another very natural way of like Herbert creating the circumstances to bring his characters together in interesting ways. Yeah. And I appreciate seeing that because when Odrade thinks to see Shiana and when Duncan thinks to see Shiana, even though they're at the same like point in time, they're for very different reasons that don't feel contrived. No, you know? no, they don't. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. it's like a very natural way of like, of course, like you as a writer, you want to create those circumstances to bring characters together, but it's so easy to make it feel contrived. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that this is done with like a very subtle hand where it's like, oh, like I totally see why these two things are happening at the same time, even though it also creates like the ground for, for you know, potentially the most interesting drama as well. And it's like, oh shit, that's like what being a good writer is. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think cool. that's another one of his skills. And, um, I don't know, it just reminds me too, like going back to God Emperor Duncan and, you know, him going, uh, you know, going with his conscience, getting killed over and over again for it until the one time that it works. And then, um, but it, it does remind me of, you know, him teaming up with Siona. And right. Now maybe potentially we're going to get the team up with, uh, with, uh, Shiana, uh, We'll we'll see. It didn't didn't end up happening last book, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe this maybe they're ready now. No, that'd be cool, and especially like that goes back to the idea of the spiral, right? I mean, Duncan yeah. and Shiana teaming up mm-hmm. is like Duncan and Siona teaming up. It's the same, but it's different. Absolutely, it spirals into something. Yep. In in the same orbit, 
but I mean, totally. ultimately with different people and for mm-hmm. different reasons. Yep. Totally different vantage point. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, that all leads to like my kind of closing points here where, um, you know, interestingly, Duncan, Duncan talks about like kind of the fatal flaw of the Atreides too. And it's known as the Atreidesian gesture, which has just been shortened to the Dijian gesture. Mm. <laughs> um, but he ties it back. It seems as though it originates with Paul's grandfather, yep. Leto I's father, yep. who was killed um, during the bullfight. Mm-hmm. Which also kind of links up, I mean, that's that's what Lucilla and um, Dama are talking about during their political discussion. They liken controlling the masses uh, to a matador fight. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here we have Herbert going back to the, you know, kind of this like mythical bullfight of uh, Leto's father. And... The, the case is made that, like, that, that lead, the, the death of Leo's father in the bullring was no accident. That it was, and I mean, if you were to ask Leto's father himself as a person in, in that present moment, like, do you want to fucking die on the horns of a bull? He'd probably say no. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the narrative and in terms of the myth, this idea is posited that this is kind of the origins of the Atreides gesture of putting themselves in sacrificial positions, not only for the sake of other people, but like, especially under the observation of other people. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 you know, kind of, I mean, if, if not ascending to martyrdom status, um, kind of, um, assuring their legacy lives on right yes yeah 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 yeah. it's it's definitely and that's part of it right like duncan's like and we're talking about this however many like fucking eons removed or whatever like yeah he's like think about how long ago this person died you and i are talking about him right now Mm -hmm. he's not relevant to either of us and that was the we're talking about it Mm -hmm. right so exactly that um yeah i mean like that idea crossed with the idea of like cellular memory i think is very interesting because if that is how it works and the death of leto's father is that inception point um i mean that could very well it it feels like herbert is kind of pointing to this idea that like this is the origin of like of all the things that branch from the Atreides, even Duncan's like undying, constantly manipulated loyalty for the Atreides, like kind of has it or its origins in this like Atreides myth, you know, this real event that did happen, but has become mythologized throughout time. Like, yeah, this is why. Paul has like his sense of terrible purpose. You know, mm-hmm. this is why um, 
Leto feels that he has to make the sacrificial decision to become the god emperor and like yep. shoulder the the burdens and sins of all of humanity you know like he he likens those things as to be struck by the horns of a bull in the matador arena you know like it's it's all the same thing at the end of the day just on different scales yeah yeah you know, you're, you're you're absolutely right and i mean you know i think it's uh something that leto identified too and wanted to kill wanted to end with him yeah and uh i mean i think so too i'm sure there are still lingering effects in the atreides um bloodline doesn't seem like it's to that extent anymore but um it it's uh death obviously something that that duncan picked up on um yes yeah, and then to see him, you know, try and break the cycle in some ways, you know, regardless of if he's able to or not. I mean, like, we don't know what's going to happen mm. if or when he goes to see Shiana, but, you know, this is the point where at least he makes the decision to try and not inflict that pain onto someone else. I mean,. I, I feel like it also kind of causes us to question like, well, what, what if the Atreides fought against, you know, that like cellular urge, you know, not to say that, and holy shit, I know we've talked about this a lot too. Like is Paul or Leto guilty for the mm. horrible pain they inflicted on the entire universe? I'm not going to open that up right now. But what I mean is, um, let's say the origin point for the reason that those things had to happen has to do with Leto's father. Mm. Let's say the golden path starts with the bull piercing its horns through that man's chest. You know, is there then a, a kind of... Uh, responsibility to try and break away from that like pull mm -hmm. you know like yeah. are, are you cursed to like undergo that action again or do you also have a kind of responsibility to break it i feel like regardless of where you fall in that spectrum duncan this specific duncan here in chapter house is saying everything is telling me to traumatize and break tag the way that I was traumatized yep. and broken in order to achieve this greater end. But is there not some kind of responsibility to, to try and achieve these, these purposes through better means, you know? Yeah. I think that's the difference between Duncan and the Atreides. Um, you know, I, I, I think, Obviously, the Atreides line goes, you know, goes back all the way to, to Greece or whatever. And yes. uh, so there, there's a long line of, of, of showman rulers and warriors and respected men throughout history. Um, and it just, they could have gone on forever, you know, with, without any 
cosmic or any seismic significance but it just it's it's that 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 coincidence the the the, the toxic combination of the Bene Gesserit with that family right is is what led this this uh led to this golden path right so it just it's it's um kind of like that kind of machismo not machismo but like self importance kind of like it's not even like egotistical it's it's kind of like an altruistic idea of like oh i i must do these things for the greater good you know um uh that that also does come from the ego um but multiplied by this almost supernatural feeling uh you know ingredient um yeah i mean and, and that would be the test right if if tag awakens and he is some sort of Quizat's Hatterack, or he is a Tyloxu plant or something, you know, it's like, it's like, like, did Leto successfully squash the, the, the tyrant gene, right? You know? Yeah. Like, I think that's yet to be seen, but, uh, Duncan is definitely worried about it for, for good reason. You know, he he would be. Yeah. Yeah, those questions for now are going to remain unanswered. And, you know, in true Herbert fashion, whether there was a seventh book or not, very likely could remain unanswered even so. Oh, I, I, I would hazard a guess that, that we that we would not get the answers we're looking for gotta come to them ourselves well I think in true Dune Dudes fashion you and I had a very full and broad yeah discussion on these chapters and uh I'm really happy with what we talked about today. yeah same here same here you know we didn't we didn't cover beat by beat we we, we got the broad broad strokes and and uh you know went a little bit deeper okay went a little bit deeper than than some of you folks are used to and uh if that scared you you know what i ain't sorry hell yeah well connor without further ado close us out if you want to reach us we have an email address doondudespod at gmail.com we are on twitter at Dune Dudes Pod, uh, that's where the fun is. Um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Krups TV. Uh, so reach us any way you want. You know, like, rate, subscribe, review the podcast. And until next time, tune in next time for the next thrilling episode of Dragon Ball D. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay.